0: Hey everybody, welcome to tonight's Late Night Happy Hour. Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky excited tonight uh, to dive back into the NFL. Joined tonight by Ted Wynn from, uh, from The Athletic. Does really cool stuff really really cool things the things that have taught me a lot about football taught Andy a lot about football and now we get to talk to him not, me, him. not me i so,
1: pretty much knew it all but i mean i'm glad that you're learning it, it, it's right. nice that you can keep up with whatever i'm going to ask ted
0: it's it's taught him how much he already knows about football which yeah. is just nice
1: <laughs> how it's you do, reinforcing man? what he knows already exactly uh, i'm doing
2: well thank you for the intro and uh thanks for pronouncing my name right you didn't even ask, and uh, you knew how to pronounce it. Not, not I, a lot of people know how to.
0: I mean, I, I Andy and I are, are are somewhat sensitive, I think, to uh, pronunciation questions because oh. <laughs> you know we do get a few things that get butchered. Mm-hmm. I it occurred to me like maybe I like there's an alternate pronunciation, but I thought it was win, and I was just going to run with that.
1: I, I think Ted is having some difficulty hearing us all of a sudden. So we'll oh. hope to work through that. Um, are you here? hello, Andy, cause I was having trouble before. Are you, uh, I can
0: hear you. Okay. Um, I can hear you right I'm now. Unmuted. And I just have to, you have to, un- Yeah. let's see. We have to, un- we have to un- he has to unmute himself. There we go. Can you hear us Ted?
2: Yeah. Sorry about that.
0: Okay. Yeah. No, no worries.
1: Um, yeah. I mean, we, we try to do the research on it, particularly because I, I mean, I in particular, as much as I'm sensitive to it, I'm capable of bricking any word uh, pronunciation or any name pronunciation I often write out a lot of stuff phonetically if need be but you know having grown up with a last name that also gets butchered a lot even though it's actually quite phonetic it's phonetic mm-hmm. like it, it is actually the name when you think about it Kamenetsky is exactly how it's spelled mm-hmm. but people just aren't used to it and therefore you get a bunch of different uh, variations so, we are trying to learn, and we wanted to get it right for you.
2: Appreciate that. I, I usually tell people since I, you know, I started just covering the Raiders, it's just win, baby. That's <laughs> a real easy way to pronounce it. That,
1: wow! If, if that takes off, you got to get that on a shirt. Uh,
2: they, they do have that shirt, actually. I see it on my, uh, you know, how Instagram says targeted ads. They they've been targeting me with that shirt, and it's been tempting. But uh, I, you know, oh. every time I see every time I see a targeted ad, I actually get mad, and I like purposely. Don't don't click it, oh, even okay. though I
1: attempted. I had the craziest Target ad experience, which really made me realize, like, holy shit, they hear everything. Like, we are living like now in the age of you know the internet, search engines, like, data gathering. Like, we are in Skynet, and they hear everything. Um, I, I saw an article on Twitter that Brad Pitt's jacket that his character wore in Fight Club. Was getting auctioned off for I don't remember what, but I retweeted that with the comment that Brad Pitt's jacket in Fight Club is on the Mount Rushmore of jackets, and because it's just it's an amazing jacket. I I remember yeah, when I I, saw I know them.
2: exactly which one you're talking about.
1: Yeah, like that all that like maroonish rusted color. It's it's amazing. I remember when I saw the movie, I thought it was awesome. And I retweeted that about being on the Mountain Rushmore jackets and somebody asked me what else would be there. And I was like, well, off the top of my head, um, I I said uh, Nicolas Cage's snakeskin jacket and wild at heart and a couple others. And I said uh, Denzel Washington's leather jacket in training day was just a badass jacket. Mm -hmm. Like the next day there was a targeted ad for me. With not just Denzel Washington's leather jacket in training day, like the style, it literally was a photo of Denzel Washington in oh, training wow. day. Like they, they the other mm-hmm. jackets in this targeted ad were just listed what they are, except mm-hmm. Denzel's. They showed a photo of Denzel, like a stock photo from the movie, and it says Denzel Washington Training Day. And I was like, Oh my god, that's they're curfew. hearing everything that out. is very creepy that's nuts
2: yeah like what when i see a targeted ad like i feel like my privacy is being infringed upon so even though i get tempted to maybe click it i like i, I purposely make it a point not to do it
1: yeah i'm, I'm always torn between the creepiness and the convenience mm-hmm. like on one hand it's totally invasive on the other hand, i'm like damn they found something i really yeah
2: to. <laughs> they, they know me the, the funny thing is like the things that I actually are all like for my dog like when i like for something for cleaning dog air or like a cool toy for a dog then i'll, I'll be like all right I, i'll get it for my dog but if it's for me i just like uh can't do it
0: i be mean, i'm looking this up ted there is an extraordinary amount of win related yeah <laughs> clothing that you can buy like you can get this for for onesies i am looking currently at a just win baby t-shirt um, there's a, a one for, for, for little babies. Um, don't start with me. You won't win. That's a baby bodysuit. Um, the, the, I had no idea that this was an entire culture of clothing attached to your last name and I'm assuming yeah. it's all about you.
2: Uh, yeah. I mean, it is just created just for me. They, they knew it was coming. <laughs> oh, by uh, the way, I think a, uh, a great movie jacket is
0: Oh, I'm Blade. glad you're willing to go here. Let's do this. Let's have this conversation.
2: Uh it's Ryan Gosling in uh Blade Runner 2049 that trench yes. coat.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah, for that with with the collar, mm-hmm. uh it's fantastic. For that matter, Ryan Gosling's jacket in Drive is oh, a yeah.
2: fantastic the, the jacket. The Scorpion one, right?
1: Yes. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That one's great and while he, he's not wearing the jacket, he's the co-star of the movie, Russell Crowe's jacket in The Nice Guys, that light blue leather jacket, which I've never seen before, I've never seen that color for a jacket, is fantastic. People are loving you, Ted, so far. They're they they are enjoying you on the show so far that you're that you're going with us on the leather on the jacket Mount Rush. <laughs> yeah, so people are enjoying
0: Andy, When Andy brought this up, because of course I was in the middle of, of trying to get prep for whatever show we were doing that night, and he sends this thing to me, and all and I of course now have to stop what I'm doing, uh, and I forget who our guest was that night, but they, I'm sure they got sh- you know screwed because I didn't do any prep for the show, and had to go into this. It raises all sorts of questions. First of all, I think the the obvious answer is Indiana Jones. It's Harrison yeah. Ford and Indiana Jones. Like that is one of the most iconic jackets uh, or pieces of clothing in anything. And also he wins for for also being in the hat Mount Rushmore of movies. Mm-hmm. He's the only character that gets to be on both. I think we can agree on that. Uh, it raises the question, does Harrison Ford get to be on it twice? because of han solo to which andy replied weight is a vest a jacket and that's a good question is a vest a jacket without sleeves or is a vest its own thing
2: i don't think a vest is a jacket like that's what i feel okay yeah. fair enough. i mean like what I, I i don't think i've ever owned a vest like what is the point of a vest because it doesn't really keep you warm well, i mean no, i guess it the gives you extra one. pockets Oh, the core warm. Yeah, I don't. No, I, I. don't think I've ever even worn a vest, except for maybe like a tuxedo vest. But as far as like a a, ja- a jacket vest, I don't think I've ever worn one. Just because like I just don't see the because like I want to keep my armor if I if I have to, you know, be in a the cold.
1: They're good for when it's cool but not cold. Like when it's when it's too much for just a t-shirt, but you don't want to throw mm-hmm. on an actual jacket or maybe even like a sweatshirt is a little too much. Like, you know, like a ski vest can work for something like that. But generally speaking, I have found no use for a vest either. Like, I, I don't like them even with suits. I just, they're, they're not my jam.
0: I've grown to yeah. enjoy a good vest, I can be honest with you. A puffer vest. Um, I do like the pocket factor. I like the fact, you know, I, I, you, know like, you go like skiing or snowboarding on a reasonably warm day. They're pretty good for that. Like I, I, I think you guys are underselling the value of the vest. Maybe, there,
2: uh, you know, there's a lot of leather vests at Raider Games, so maybe yes. I didn't get one of
0: those. <laughs> do, uh, d- the other question I think that was really important is: do does Eddie Murphy's uh, jacket in Raw count? Like, it's a movie,
1: mm-hmm. and it's
0: one of the most iconic pieces of clothing. I think. I mean, everybody knows what that was. Very period. But um, it's all you know. It's a con- it's a concert film. Like, does that count?
2: I think it gets its own category.
1: Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's almost like a leather sweatsuit. Like it's mm-hmm. it's it's borderline not a jacket because it it wouldn't work if it, it even the, works. It
0: is a leather tracksuit. You're exactly right. But it's yeah, still- I mean, like
1: it's kind of like the leather version of Al Davis. Since we've been talking about yeah. the Raiders, like it's it's a very specific thing, um, and you know, I think it's fair to say while it may be iconic. It has aged exceptionally poorly. I didn't
0: say I would wear it today. <laughs> I'm just saying everybody knows what it is if you've seen it. That's all I'm saying.
2: Yeah. And I mean, Al Davis also made like the, what's that thing called where it's a strap behind, you know, that holds your uh, your glasses on?
1: Croakers. Isn't that what Krokes. they're called? Croakies. Croakies.
2: Croakies. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Al Davis made those iconic.
1: Yes. Yes, he did. I've forgotten about that, but you're right. He did used to bust out the croakies. Uh, the Croakers is much more uh morbid. Yeah, it is. But well, look, I mean,
0: <laughs> you don't want your glasses falling off. That's, yeah, that's,
2: that's... I don't need glasses, but I need to get blue light glasses because I'm staring at the computer all day. I might have to get croakies to uh, to go with them and honor Al Davis too. And, and it's convenient.
0: The amount of film that you uh, that you go through, that is a lot of time in front of the blue.
2: Yeah, and then you know I'm I'm writing too, so it's like you watch the film, you got to do the, the 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 edit the video editing, and then then you know that's the that's the easy part. And then you have to write on top of that, so it's just like during football season, it's just like four a.m. nights every you know till 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 Thursday. Then I get to cool off a little bit.
1: Well, you you really get to realize just like how these coaches during oh, yeah. the season Oof, they're rough. they're just glazed over. I mean they, mm-hmm. that's all they do is just stare at screens, stare at the game as it's played and sleep. If they get the opportunity to sleep, like that's it. They don't do anything else for an entire season.
0: Is that culture, is that culture changing at all? Tech Because the, the football culture used to be one of, you know, show up in the the facility at 5am and you don't leave until 3am and you sleep on your You don't see your family for it. And I always felt like a lot of that was performative. Um, and is, it's changing in basketball. You see many more basketball coaches sending their staff home. Just be like, go home. It's like you've done enough work. Go home. Is mm-hmm. it is it changing at all in football? Uh,
2: I, I think with um, you know like PFF and all these stat tracking um, services they have available to them now, that they have a little. They have to do less of the dirty work as far as like charting every little piece of the play, but mm-hmm. they still have to confirm it, and then they still have to. Uh, add their own notes to every single play um, as well. So there's still a ton of work to do. Um, and, you know, I mean, if it depends on what organization you're, you're from. Like if you're with Bruce Arians, th- he's going to send you home because he wants you um, to, you know, have time with your family because he believes that that's important. But if you're uh, on Bill Belichick's staff, he doesn't care. You know, you, you, you got to stay and get your work done. You got to chart every game, get every little tendency uh, so it, it just depends on what staff you're on. And at, at the same time, if you're an entry level coach, you know, you, you're, you're competing against these other guys and you know, you're, it, 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 you don't it want to be the guy that doesn't do the work and doesn't get noticed.
0: Yeah. I, 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 the football culture has always been odd that way. Um, to me, just, it, 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 it just, that's, that's how it's always been. I, there's so much that we want. You've done a ton of stuff that we really want to get into tonight. Um, and I, and do you want to start with the Rams, or do you want to start with with Herbert? Because I, I wanted Herbert, to get it. Herbert is on my fantasy team, and the Rams are the, are the Rams. So I mean, I know it's important to me, but what did you want to start with?
1: Um, I was going to say let's start with Herbert because it's the most recent piece um, that that you've written. It's up on the athletic right now, and it It's interesting, one of the things you talked about was heading into the season. The, herbert had pretty mixed reviews in terms of uh, confidence around the league, you know, in terms of his potential, where he'd possibly end up getting drafted, you know the type of quarterback that he projected as. And these last few weeks, as you've noted, uh, he's not only playing well for a rookie, he's playing like a top ten quarterback. and, one of the things that you had been concerned about was a lack of aggression heading into the NFL. and now he's, as you put it, you know swinging for he's swinging attacking like a home run hitter, he's attacking defenses with deep shots. What is it that you think has allowed him to gain that type of confidence and and how how quickly did you see something change in him?
2: Um, you know i I really wasn't high on Her- Herbert coming into the draft. Uh, just because you know there were some accuracy issues uh, that I saw in his college film, and he just was not aggressive. Like he just—I mean—he did take some deep shots here and there, but other than that, like he, he checked the ball down a lot. Uh, he didn't look like he just had a good plan uh, when he was going through his progressions. And then you know, all of a sudden, he gets to—you—I uh, know, f- first started noticing him obviously on Hard Knocks, uh, but like you can't really trust Hard Knocks just because like you know they're editing all this stuff. Uh, but like he just looked really smooth he looked like he was poised he looked like he was handling all these calls right like you didn't see him fumbling around with c- calls in a huddle um, and I was like okay I mean maybe there is something there but again this is hard knocks maybe they're just editing this stuff and then he then he comes into that game in Kansas City uh, where he did not he wasn't expected to be the starter there like you know he Tyrod Taylor was supposed to be the starter coming into the game and then he had that freak a- accent right before the game. And then Herbert comes in, and he just looks like you know he's running the offense extremely smooth. Like he, there was he, you know he he's gonna risk some, uh, he's gonna throw some risky passes. But I was just really impressed at at how poised he was, especially with no practice uh, against the Kansas City defense, who is actually one of the top defenses in the league. And then he continued that play, and then when he when he had that big game against the Buccaneers, I was just yeah you know, I was blown away by by his performance. And then he he leads the Jaguars back from. Um, that that deficit and and wins that game. Uh, but I, I think what just um, what really helped him in NFL is he has uh, a good system that he's in. Um, he's he has a good coach in Pet Hamilton who's really helping him develop his uh, his footwork, his uh, his fundamentals, his reads, and and then now he has weapons. I mean, when he was at Oregon, his um, his last year, he, only one one of his receivers got drafted, and then he got drafted in the seventh round, and he eventually got cut. Uh, so now he's with the, the Chargers who have pretty good weapons. He has Keenan Allen, he has Hunter Henry, um Guyton runs a four three, and you saw some of that speed against Jaguars. Uh, so he 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 has a system that makes sense that he could develop in. Um and he has weapons around him now. And I'm but I'm I'm still stunned by the contrast of how unaggressive he was at Oregon and how he's playing now, where he, you know, anytime he, he even gets like a, a chance to throw deep, he's gonna do it.
0: Yeah, I mean like the the throw he made, I think it was last week. I've completely lost the ability to keep track of time. But the the, the throw he made to Guy in the 70-yard touchdown pass. Yep,
2: that was last and, week.
0: Yeah, that was that was just, I mean, that was a dime. Mm-hmm. And like that's obviously a great throw. Um, what what is the you know, what is the 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 thing though when a when a rookie quarterback comes in? Because Baker Mayfield like, kind of lit the, the world on fire early in his career, whatever, and has struggled a little bit more since. What is the thing with quarterbacks where you can tell whether or not it's early, people don't have enough tape, they haven't learned tendencies, whatever it might be, versus, no, really the guy is this good?
2: Uh, well, some encouraging signs is uh, when you look at his, um, his stats under pr- – like when you look at a quarterback's uh, performance under pressure, that's actually a very unstable metric because – uh, your play under pressure can vary from year to year, even for the really good quarterbacks. So you don't want to look at that too much or put too much stock in those stats. You want to look at how he performs in a clean pocket. Uh, that is a, a stat that carries on uh, from year to year, and is, can, you could be very consistent in that. And he's right now he's uh, his passer rating is 13th in the league, I believe, when he has a clean pocket. So that's pretty good for a rookie. He's third under pressure, which is a good sign. But again, you don't want to put too much uh, stock into that. And also, he's not just getting protected by a bunch of play action. Like, there's a lot of good coaches out there right now that are protecting their quarterback and scheming up throws with, uh, with them uh, with play action. He's actually a little worse throwing play action than he is in a, a normal straight drop back game. Uh, a lot of his production is coming from a straight drop back game. And that's hard to do as a rookie. And he, he's doing it right now. So those are all good signs that he might be the real deal.
1: What I always think is really interesting in any sport um, is with with rookies or young inexperienced players that start breaking out is when opposing coaches start making adjustments to mm-hmm. them and then they have to make adjustments to the adjustments, what do you think that opposing coaches are going to start looking to do with Herbert now that he's becoming more of a known commodity to try to trip him up?
2: I think they'll do what they, they did with Josh Allen. They're going to try to do a little more pre-snap disguising. They're going to sit back in zones and see if he could be patient and see if he could throw the ball in between zones and uh, throw the ball with anticipation. Um, I think they're going to try to take away deep passes and they're going to try to add a little confusion just to make his re- make him a little slower uh, on the pre-snap process uh, and see if he can handle that.
0: Why? What? What is the deal with with Tyrod Taylor that he's able to usher in rookie quarterbacks in this way? And is he forever? Uh, like, is he just like basically cursed? Because, uh, <laughs> you know the Baker Mayfield thing it's like, oh, that's a bummer. Like he seemed like he might. And mm-hmm. then you know all of a sudden with uh you know I'm, you know and in, in, you know he goes to Buffalo and, and then they, they stab him in the through his lung to get him out of the starting lineup. Is he just yeah destined yes. to never be a like a a, a starting quarterback in this league?
2: That, that was I think they I think the Chargers were really intent on going to try to sit Herbert for at least until they had had a bye week. Um, and yeah, that was just so unfortunate for Taylor. and you could tell uh, they didn't want to hand the job to Herbert just yet, even though he was playing, you know, phenomenal because it's just such an unfortunate situation to lose your job like that because of the team uh, team doctor uh, mistake. Uh, so yeah, it just sucks for Taylor. I mean, he's such a good guy and I'm sure he does a really good job of mentoring these young guys too. You know, you, you saw a little bit with hard knocks when, uh, he, he was helping out Mayfield they had to have their little quarterback, um, RV or whatever it was. Uh, so I think part of it is, yeah, he, he's helping to, to mentor these guys and try to usher them in and doing his, 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 the best he can, um, as, as a, you know, a veteran quarterback. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know if you're a team with a young quarterback, you might want to sign tyrod Taylor. he's uh, he's two for two.
0: Well, I know if you're the team that if you're the team with the young quarterback and the young quarterback wants to get on the field, that guy at least wants you to sign Tyrod Taylor because uh, then he knows he'll get a chance to play. Uh, I saw this and I thought this was one of the most chargery things you could possibly find. you know at the athletic, uh, they have a breakdown of projected records and all these things in the playoffs and uh, a bunch of of metrics to you know just kind of rank teams in different ways and stuff and the rams have uh the 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 highest second highest epr which is i guess sort of a can you explain epr real quick
2: uh, ep is it e- epa
0: uh, it says epr uh, home, a,
2: expected points i know epa is expected points average uh, ex-
0: it's it's basically that, uh, it's, uh, yeah. That's that's what it is. It says I'm expect- trying to remember what EPR rating.
2: is. Expected
0: huh? power rating. Oh, expected uh, power
2: rating. Okay, that that's the athletics own, own um,
0: internal metric
2: form. that uh, Ethan Douglas, who's our analytics right. guy, um, and I think Sheil Shield helped him uh, kind of develop that. I'm not a hundred percent. I ha- you know I saw that and I I didn't really dive into it. That's so fine. I, I yeah, yeah, you don't have
0: to. You don't have to know it, but like, so like the Rams are way up there, and you know the mm-hmm. the Chargers. And I thought this was like the chargeryest thing ever. Are the uh, are the highest ranked team expected to have a losing record? Like that feels very much like the Chargers. Like they're not bad um, mm-hmm. at, by any stretch of the imagination, and they actually are expected to have. They're they're ranked higher than a few teams that are expected to have a better record based on this metric. But they're still supposed to finish seven and nine. Is this just me another one of those types of seasons for the Chargers, where just enough goes wrong that a pretty decent football team doesn't do anything?
2: You know, I, I think they've been kind of Charger-y in the beginning of the season, and I kind of describe them as the so you know how the Seattle Seahawks they always end up in like a a, a last minute nail biting game, but they somehow come through at the end. The Chargers are the Seahawks, but they don't come through at the end. Uh,
1: <laughs> no, they're, but, they're, they're Sisyphus. They're just always yeah. pushing that rock up the hill, and that rock at the end of the day always falls back down. And they're just with it. I mean, for a while, it seemed like it was a Philip Rivers thing. Mm-hmm. And now it's just pretty clear. I mean, I guess really if you know the history of the Chargers, you know this has been going on a while. Yep. But in terms of recent history, I, I think it's it felt like Philip Rivers was cursed. And it just seems like, for whatever reason, something in that franchise just does not allow them to get over a hump consistently.
2: Yeah, it's just—I mean, they they play bad teams, and then it'll be a nail biter, and they lose at the end. They play really good teams; it'll be a nail biter, and the, they lose in the end. So it's just—it's a mystery. Um, I mean, a lot of it has to do with how how banged up they are year to year. Like every mm-hmm. single year, like their stars just, you know, injured out for the year before the season well, clearly starts. clearly they
0: have a problem with the team medical staff. They've got a doctor who stabs people through their lungs. Yeah. I mean, do That's better. That's rough.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I think um, Herbert, I mean, if Herbert's a real deal, they'll probably get through this. Uh, I mean, get through, maybe end this curse or whatever it is. Uh, but their offensive line is, is really bad. So, I, you know, I'm a little concerned for Herbert's health too because they have one of the worst pass blocking offensive lines. And obviously, Herbert, you know, he wants to attack deep, but it takes some time uh, to attack deep. And he's going to take some hits uh, so that they they have to find a way to protect him moving forward.
1: Okay, uh, Brian had mentioned we did want to get to the Rams and Mm -hmm. they're five and two right now. Their next five games are against a better than at least I expected Miami team with Tua about to get that start. Then Seattle, Tampa, Second time against the Niners and Arizona. It's a pretty tough slate. They've only beaten one team above 500, the Bears. And while it was mm-hmm. a convincing win, I am not convinced the Bears, the, Bears are are not team. Bears. the Bears are not good. What's your? What are some of your biggest impressions of the Rams so far?
2: Um, I think you know. I, I think um, Sean McVay has done a good job of kind of evolving his offense. Um, I, I thought last year he, you know, after they lost that Super Bowl. Um, they kind of, every team kind of had a blueprint to stop the, stop the Rams. They, they want, everybody's running that six, one tilt front, um, that Bill Belichick ran against them and they had a lot of trouble with it last year. I mean, you know, everybody was copying that blueprint and part of it was their offensive line wasn't very good. Um, and, and this year watching their offense, they, they do have a lot more answers against that six one and, and it's working. Their offensive line is better. Jared Goff is, uh, playing well. Uh, But, like you said, they they haven't really beaten anybody that um, is good. So, uh, I'm curious to see how they play against some of these better teams. Uh, I think their defense is legitimate. I don't think they're a top five defense, but I think they're a top 10 defense. I think uh, their new defensive coordinator, Brandon Steele, is really good, really intelligent guy. Um, And and he's doing a good job there. And, you know, they're doing a bunch of interesting things with uh, Jalen Ramsey, they're moving him into the nickel. Uh, so he, he's making an impact that way um, but I mean this I think this is a very top heavy roster especially on defense they're relying a lot on Aaron Donald and uh, Jalen Ramsey to make plays um so you know they have some young players and they need some of those young guys to step up because I don't think it's sustainable to have uh, Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey carry so much of the load.
0: You you guys break down. You and you wrote a a feature with Jordan Rodriguez. We love having on the show. Mm, she's just great. To, you know, we learn so much about uh, football. We'll tweet this out. It's you know it, it's a great breakdown of what the Rams are doing defensively. I'll be honest. We, I given we, who they.
1: Uh, say, between what you've taught Brian and what Jordan's taught Brian, he didn't even have to watch. Like, he did not <laughs> have to know anything.
0: I first of all, I thought oh, football was round uh, up until this season, uh, but it turns <laughs> out it's not. It's shaped differently. But like you, you guys have Brandon Staley's uh, defense broken down in in ways that are really really uh, easy to understand and, and let people know what's going on, um, particularly with what they're doing with uh, Jalen Ramsey and how they you, know, you make an interesting comparison with yeah. what Sean McVeigh does offensively can you kind of break that down a little bit to give people an idea of what makes Staley's approach unique particularly in how it relates to Ramsey
2: uh yes yeah, so you know with Sean McVay's offense it's it's based on uh the sh- everything looks the same until it doesn't right i mean everything looks like it's going to be outside zone until Goff pulls the ball back and also undertaking a sudden they're taking a deep shot play action, um, throw and, or maybe he pulls it back and throws a screen. So it's just based on deception and everything looking the same right at, uh, you know, for the first few seconds of snap. Um, and there was an interview a few, a few, uh, maybe a couple of years ago where McVeigh said, uh, Vic Fangio was a guy, a defense coordinator. He had a lot of trouble with. And one thing that Vic Fangio does is, His defense looks exactly the same pre-snap, so it's hard to read. They just kind of stay in this cover four shell, and from that cover four shell, they can shift into cover three, cover one, cover two, and it just creates a little bit of uncertainty. And what he did was he hired um, Vic Fangio's linebacker coach to be his defensive coordinator, Brandon Staley, and that's what they're doing now. They're creating uncertainty before the snap, making things look the same. And, um, you know, with Cooper Cup. In the Rams offense, he's inside, uh, in the slot. He does a ton of things. He could, um, you know, he he runs those jet motions. Sometimes he even gets a handoff. He's uh, one of the best blocking wide receivers in the league. And he runs all sorts of routes from that slot position. Uh, so by being inside, being closer to the ball, he really shows off his versatility. And that's kind of the same concept that they've used with Jalen Ramsey. By moving him closer to the ball, he can blitz. He's part of the run fit. He could guard tight ends like George Kittle. Uh, and when they need him to, he could move back outside too. So uh, just like generally, just moving your best players closer to the ball and allowing them to make a bigger impact that way.
0: Does that help them? You talked about the roster. Sorry, Andy. You talk about the roster being a little bit top-heavy. Is that one way to kind of address that to sort of, you know, you maximize Aaron Donald up front, you maximize Jalen Ramsey in the back, and you that helps paper over any other issues uh, from a depth standpoint that you might have?
2: Yeah, I mean, you're just moving your best guy uh, closer to the ball and maximizing his impact that way. Um, and you know, I'm not saying that the the rest of the Rams' defense is is trash. They, do, they have some good players. They have, uh, I think, they have some good safeties, uh, some good cornerbacks. But other than Donald and Ramsey, there's just no other uh, real stars on that or uh, uh, the defensive side of the ball.
1: I, I thought it was really interesting uh, the quote that you had in that piece about. Um... Jalen Ramsey being like LeBron James in, in this defense and the idea of being a positionless player. Mm-hmm. I I th- I thought was really fascinating and it, it it's interesting too because one of the things that your piece talks about as well is like the the lack of relative importance with middle linebacker on on this team and, and you know middle linebackers traditionally thought of as you know, one of, if not the most important position on the defense. You know, it has the most responsibilities. And it, it jumped out at me, for example, that John Johnson is, is the signal caller um, defensively as opposed to a middle linebacker. And just I, I was curious just the significance of that and and what that does for this defense. The idea of uh, de-emphasizing the importance of that middle linebacker.
2: I think just the way the game has moved, uh, towards more passing with, uh, you know, with less of an emphasis on the, on the run game linebackers just aren't, they don't make the impact that they, they used to. Um, and you know, they, they have to be good in coverage, obviously just because they get exposed a lot with, um, these pass catching running backs now. Uh, but the, you know, the debate now is just in between, um, uh, who's more important the pass rushers or, or coverage. And, you know, because the, the, the game now is to stop, to, to harass the opposing quarterbacks, uh, whether it's through the pass rush or uh, harassing them through just taking away their options. Uh, and, and, you know, that second level isn't just they just don't make the type of impact that they they used to unless you have a really good linebacker like, you know, an elite linebacker like uh, Luke Kukli who retired. But um, unless you have one of those guys, they just don't make the impact that they used to.
0: So, uh, you know, they're, they're the other thing, on, you know, we're almost amazingly halfway through the season. And, you know, you look at the NFC and you compare it to the AFC, and a lot of the sort of the glamour teams right now are in the AFC and the teams that people are talking about, in part because the NFC East is so bad. I think it kind of drags okay. down the entire yeah. conference. Um, you know, the some of the, you know, the Carolina and New Orleans isn't quite, you know, playing inspired and all that. So, a lot of the really, uh, the teams that, that get a lot of shiner in the AFC, who's better than the Rams in the NFC? Who are the best teams right now, uh, in this conference? Whether it's <laughs> and how many, <laughs> how many aren't in the NFC West, <laughs> right? I mean, it's Tampa, you know, how do you put them together? Tampa, Seattle, Green Bay, however, you want to arrange them.
2: Well, first, I uh, I think we should pose a, a new. It your division winner doesn't have at least seven wins, they have to give up the spot. Come on. You yeah. can't have a six and 10 team. In, and we, they might have a six and 10 team in the playoffs this year, but it's just like, come on, six and 10 in the playoffs. Let me look just,
0: at that. Look, I'll look at the project, the projected standings uh, again from, from the athletic uh, the Cowboys are five and 11, uh, mm-hmm. the Giants four and 12. Scrolling up, ah, here's your division winner right here. The six, nine, and one Philadelphia Eagles. Um, because the, the and the foot, yeah, and the football team is six and 10. So, uh, yeah, there you go six, nine, and one. That tie that's going to get the Eagles in. I actually think the Eagles are going to finish like three, three, and 12 or whatever, <laughs> whatever it is. And they'll get yeah, in I, on the strength of all those ties.
2: But interesting enough, the Eagles might be. They might actually be a decent team as they're getting healthier. I mean, Carson Wentz is playing a lot better. Also, Jason Peters back at, at left tackle. If Lane Johnson gets healthy, um, you know, they, they and they, they have a breakout receiver in Folgum. I, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. Got to pick him up uh, on the
1: fantasy team. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, really I got him too. I,
2: I think we have pretty uh, similar fantasy teams. I had Dak Prescott who was just tearing things up in the beginning of the season. Uh, so that was pretty depressing was when he went down. Uh,
0: But I picked a different as
1: well, too. You know what? I don't want to hear
0: from any of you people. I have, (laughs) I'm in two leagues. My first round pick in one league was uh, Saquon Barkley. I got about an hour and a half football out of him. And then, I mean, I realize he's a human being. And And then then you you had that that.
2: that, uh, Pittsburgh game where he just had like 10 negative runs. Right.
0: Exactly. And then my other league, my first round pick is Michael Thomas, who I believe has played one game, maybe two. So, Okay,
2: you, know, you, you got it the
0: rough the rough. Sure. <laughs> uh
2: but yeah, looking back at the NFC, I, I you know, um, we're we're talking about who's better than Rams. Seattle is uh is a pretty good team, but I think they have some weaknesses too. I actually kind of see uh well actually Russell Wilson's just playing so good that um yeah, I, I gotta put Seattle over the Rams. Um the Cardinals are very they're an interesting team. I, I, mean, I love the
1: Cardinals. I yeah. love the Cardinals.
2: They're I mean their defense is a lot better than people give them credit for. And but Kyler Murray hasn't you know, he's putting up really good numbers, but he hasn't taken the step up as a passer that I thought he would. Um I think he maybe he'll get better as the season goes along. Uh but you know, with their the defense playing the way that they are now, uh, they're still a legitimate team. I, I yeah, even though they beat the Seahawks, um, I have a hard time ranking them over the Rams right now just because I think they're just really inconsistent from uh, from week to week. Um, so, yeah, I would say the Rams are better than the Cardinals right now. Um, the Niners, the NFC West is just so interesting. I,
1: to I, I am fascinated. I mean, just like currently –
0: Everybody's talking about like the Niners as being you know this tire fire. They're four and three, and
1: everybody's been mm-hmm. hurt.
2: They're the most injured team in the league. Like their injured reserve list is ridiculous, and there's st- and they just beat the Patriots by double digits. It,
1: it, like that division has eight losses bet- be, between all four teams. Three of the eight losses came against other NFC West teams. Like I mean, th- this division is brutal, and we, I mean in a in a fair world with the expanded playoffs this year like they should have at least 3 teams in there I mean, could, at least it feels all,
0: possible all four could like it's mathematically possible that all four teams can make the playoffs correct I don't. I don't know. Can it? Can they? No, but, but I'm saying like in, there are enough slots. Like there, there. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. In the playoffs with like, the extra slot
2: this year. Yeah,
0: I don't. I don't expect you to be like you know play out the rest of the schedule. <laughs> just, I just feel like there is, Good, room, yeah. <laughs> there is room for three wild card teams. So in theory, three of them mm-hmm. come from the same division.
2: Yeah, oh, man, it, it's 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 hard to say. I think the Niners are better than the Rams. I mean, they they beat them pretty handedly. And as the Niners get healthier, they're going to be a dangerous team. I mean, uh, Kyle Shanahan to me is the best uh, strategist in, in this in in the NFL. Like what he's doing with Jimmy Garoppolo is just ridiculous. Like, um, okay, so last week they played the Patriots. The Patriots were six in allowing yards on throws behind the line of scrimmage. So they're really good at stopping you know those screens and those easy passes. Um, the Niners put up 103 yards on them on throws just behind the line of scrimmage, which was the most yards on those type of throws in any NFL games this season. So it, you know, Shanahan is just finding ways to make it easy Uh, for Jimmy Garoppolo, who's really struggling with um, dealing with the high ankle sprain right now. I don't know how sustainable it is, but uh, what they're doing with, with their injuries is pretty amazing. And, and they don't have, a lot of significant injuries. Those guys are going to eventually come back. Like Richard Sherman might be back uh, next week. And, and when Richard Sherman comes back, and he, he gets paired up with Jason Verrett, who's playing out of this world right now, that defense is going to be really tough to move the ball against.
1: Yeah, I'm just. It, it's going to be so interesting to see just how this thing plays out with this division because it's it's so difficult. And then again, you look at a team like the Rams. They they've had a pretty easy go of it within the division so far. But it's about to get more difficult. Mm -hmm. You're you're just going to see them get tested more. You're going to see Goff get tested more. You know, how well McVay can, you know, make those type of adjustments. But all all of those teams in the division just, they've got tall orders in front of them. Because none of them, I think, are, there's not a one of them that is clearly, I think, definitively the best. Like where you look at and say, okay, there's a gap. Even if all four are good, there's a gap. Right, which I, I just think is going to make it really interesting for the second half of the season. So, is, yeah.
0: is, is I'm sorry, is the gap then between the NFC West and Tampa Bay? Uh, they're the highest ranked team there, and then you know I think it was uh, Aaron Schatz at, at ESPN had a column earlier this week uh, that that Tampa Bay is, is clearly the best team, not just in the NFC but in football.
2: Yeah, right. Right now they're they're the best team. I mean, um, yeah. Uh, just a real last point on the NFC. I, I think there's just going to be really good games. All those division games yeah. are going to be excellent down to the wire type of games. Uh, but going back to Tampa Bay. Especially uh, since,
0: now, now, yeah, now I'm making it so you can, but especially since every game is essentially a neutral field now that, that mm-hmm. makes it even more so.
2: Yeah. And, but, and you know, with, with Tampa Bay there, they just have playmakers at every position group. Like um, their, their run defense is on a historic pace. Like they might have one of the best run defenses of all time. Um, and they have a really good pass rush. And, um, you, you know, even without uh, with, you know, with they have a good defensive line. And then you add that with Todd Bowles and his pressure schemes. It, it's just so hard to block them. Uh, they have some good, they have a couple really good physical corners. I think they could get beat deep if you have the time to, um, to let those play de- plays develop, but it's, it's hard to pass block against those guys. And then you have Tom, Tom Brady, who's really kind of um, just figuring out this balance between uh, what he does well and Bruce Aarons offense. Um, they have playmakers. Uh, their wide receiver group is a little beat up right now, but then, you know, they have the Antonio Antonio Brown coming in. You know who knows who's how that's going to work out. But if he's productive, um, it just they're going to take another step. This offense is going to take another step, what and they're they,
0: going to have setting aside the sort of the ethical issues of Antonio Brown. Um, what do they do with him? And 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 at what points? Oh, let's start with that one. Like, what in theory is he going to do for them, given the rest of that receiver core that they have there?
2: Well, I mean he's basically going to take the Scotty Miller role and he's going to be like the supercharged Scotty Miller playing Z. They're going to be able to motion him all over the place. Uh, Mike Evans is going to be the X and uh, you you have to, you know, give extra attention to uh, Evans when he's lined up by himself because he's such a good deep threat. Um, and Brown is going to get some, uh, I, I think they're, you know, NFL defenses are going to see what he can do. Um, if he's still that explosive receiver that he used to be. And, if he is able to take advantage of those one-on- ones he gets on the opposite side of Evans uh I, I don't know how you stop this this offense and then when teams start double covering Antonio Brown then you have uh, then you have mike Evans one on one by himself and then when chris Godwin gets healthy in a slot it's it, just too many weapons to stop
1: yeah I mean they, they've barely had chris Godwin available like this whole year he, he mm-hmm. keeps having hamstring injuries or he just broke a finger like i mean they they've really have not had the full complement of weapons that, that you would expect for them, and you already see the signs of just how explosive they can be. I mean, it'll, it'll be really interesting to see what Antonio Brown looks like, how he does in that locker room. And, you know, I mean, by all accounts, Brady wanted him badly. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, because Bruce Arians, I believe, had had said he didn't. like, And yeah. I think he, he lost a one-to-one vote so we will we'll see what comes of that. I mean, this is i I think probably safe to say, you know legal issues, all that aside. This is Antonio Brown's last opportunity, I think to make it work in the league. If it doesn't work yeah. here, it ain't happening anywhere
2: yeah, and i was I was pretty amazed at um you know all the reports of teams kind of bidding for a service too you know i I thought I thought there might have been one or two teams, but it seemed like you know people wanted Antonio Brown and it just kind of shows that um elite talent is is everything in this league you know it doesn't matter what you've done if you're eligible to play and you have elite talent teams are going to come after you
1: yeah it's probably time for the NFL to just stop pretending that they care mm-hmm. about this i mean particular i mean
0: and Bruce Arians, I think, was just given an award for you know his work promoting you know the roles of women in in football, which which he has. I mean, Bruce but Arians, Arians yeah, right. I know he's, he's got I he's think very progressive in, like, in Arizona, approach. like all of that. But there is an irony to then going out and signing Antonio Brown. I'm just pointing that out.
2: Yeah, and even though those allegations haven't been proven, there are things that are. You know, like those text messages he sent. Yes. You know, I'm not. I don't want to get too much into it, but there are things that are definitely true with Antonio Brown with what he's done um, that are pretty disturbing.
0: So, what is the 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 sort of the statute of limitations in the NL for for these? Not, I don't mean the 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 potentially you know criminal things or whatever, but like in terms of them believing that you have the elite talent because I it felt to me like it had been longer since Brown was a productive player. And I went back and I looked it up, and it actually isn't that long. He had 1,300 yards and 15 touchdowns in over 15 games in 2018. That's not last season; it's the year before. So it wasn't that long ago that Brown was a not just a regular productive player, but an extremely maybe not back in his you know 1,900 yards or whatever it was back with Pittsburgh, but still really good. How how much you know? But he's 32 now, I think, um, or almost. Um, hasn't played a lot of meaningful football lately how good do you think he actually can still be
2: you know he he's a guy that um he just works my you know part, part of his reputation he just works really hard at keeping in shape running his routes. so i'm sure he he's been doing all that stuff um while he was waiting to get his suspension lifted uh so i i think he's still Gonna, he's t- still an elite receiver. I mean, if you saw what he did uh, without barely any practice in that one game he had with Tom Brady against Miami, you know this this is still an elite receiver. And I, I watched him in in training camp uh, when he was with the Raiders in Oakland, and you know I just thought, man, this guy is a you know still that Hall of Fame receiver.
1: Speaking of the Raiders, um, they're coming off a loss actually to the Buccaneers on the heels of a huge win over the Chiefs. And, you know, it's very, the Raiders giveth, the Raiders taketh away, but they're three and three and they seem to be actually be moving in in a discernible direction, which for this franchise in and of itself is a development. What are you seeing from them? And in particular from Carr this season, because it feels like he's on pace to have a career year.
2: Yeah, I mean, I thought Carr was play- – I thought he was playing really well at some points last year, and then just um, the injuries kind of mounted up in offense, and he kind of just went back to being conservative Carr to end the year, which left a sour taste in, um, you know, a lot of fans' mouths. Uh, but this year, he's uh, he's coming out. He's being aggressive. He's making plays. You know, he'll, he'll never be a great out-of-structure um, quarterback. Like, he's not going to go out and run for a ton of yards. He's not going to break a bunch of tackles and make crazy throws like Patrick Mahomes. Uh, but he's a, an extremely intelligent quarterback. has um, really good arm talent. He can make uh, he can make a lot of throws from the pocket that other quarterbacks can't. Uh, he's in charge of a lot of checks, like he's checking into good runs. He's making sure that um, the offense is in the right play, and I think that's becoming a, a more rare, rare, uh, rare skill as uh, we move to all the spread stuff. Um, so he he definitely has his strengths, and he's he's playing really well in John Gruden's system. The offense is not the problem with with the Raiders. They've moved the ball on everybody. They moved the ball against uh, Tampa Bay pretty well, uh, even without <laughs> with a, a lack of weapons. Because um, Henry Ruggs has played beat up. Brian Edwards is the other receiver uh, starter who uh, has been injured for a while. Their offensive line's been banged up. I mean, against the Buccaneers, they're uh, you know they're missing a right tackle Trent Brown. Uh, Trent Brown has barely played this season. I think he only played like two, you know, four or five snaps maybe. Um, besides that Kansas city game he did. And he makes a difference. And you know, the, the chiefs, uh, I mean, the, the offensive line didn't even practice all week against the Buccaneers. So um, the, the offense has performed pretty well uh, despite some really tough circumstances. Um, so, but this defense, the Raiders defense is just, it's a mess. And that's why it's, it's hard predicting them as a playoff team, even though they have some quality players on a really good offense uh, the defense is just ridiculously bad, and, um, we'll s- and, and but they played some tough offenses. So, you know, John Gruden said this week that they're gonna make some lineup changes, some schematic changes. I think what they're gonna do is they're gonna start blitzing and gambling a lot. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, but the defense has to play better uh, for me to think that the the Raiders are gonna be a legitimate playoff contender.
0: The other, the other team that I really wanted to get into a little bit was was Cam uh, and and the Patriots because I I learned this year that I didn't actually hate the Patriots nearly as much as I thought I did I really just didn't like Tom Brady um, and it turns out I didn't really like the Buccaneers as much as I thought I did uh, I just really don't like Tom Brady uh, <laughs> so but like Cam looks. Awful. He got off to a pretty good start. It looked pretty good. But what the hell has happened there? I mean, that it's really disappointing because I like him a lot and I wanted this to be a good year for him.
2: Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, it could be his fundamentals are breaking down because um, one thing he's worked really hard on is trying to fix his mechanics, fix his footwork. And it, it looked good in the beginning of the season like it did um, early last season. Um, but he, I mean, he just can't, it it doesn't seem, it just seems like every time he's playing well and some sort of injury happens. And, uh, I don't think they announced any sort of injury, but I mean, it just looks like he's playing hurt out there. Um, he's missing reads and when he's missing throws, he's missing them by a lot, not just a little. Um, and he's not running, they're not running him as much. They're not using his legs in the read option, um, like they were early in the season, so, without the read option and the threat of his legs and him missing a bunch of passes, that offense has been a disaster.
1: I mean, is, could it just be as simple as his body can't do this anymore?
2: Um, I mean, he was playing at such a high level that the first two weeks that um, you know, like I, what like changed from those first two uh, two weeks, you uh, know, an, like an
1: extra uh, six weeks? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying that's to be true. snarky, yeah. but I mean, there mm-hmm. it's like when, you know, Brian and I covered the last uh, three seasons of Kobe's career post Achilles and, you know, there would be pockets of games where, you know, or a quarter where mm-hmm. Kobe looked like Kobe, like, you know, he, he could play seven minutes in a quarter and look like that guy. And the problem was the other you know 20ish minutes he just looked like a shell of a shell of himself and you you just realize like it he couldn't do this anymore and i, I think what I, what i always re- remind people a lot of times is you know they'll they'll see an older guy and they'll have a really good game and they'll say no see he's still capable of doing that i'm like He's you know, he's capable of doing it in that game for a quarter for like uh, for a quarter half but like, a game, but not five yeah, games, not ten. It's either. really really hard to do this stuff. You know when, when you're healthy, much less if you're dealing with stuff. So
0: this interesting comment from from the Nathan Mark, who as you can tell is one of our uh, listeners viewers who is not from America, uh, <laughs> talking about Cam Newton missing guys by two or three meters. He's from New Zealand, um, so
2: I like the Abbey, by the way, fighting his uh, his bride with the lightsabers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Got to start him young. That's love, um, but you know he he made the point, and you can say, tell if you disagree that they, he wasn't necessarily throwing the ball all that well at the beginning of the season. Maybe he was, he was, but he was running the ball well. You talked about that read option going away. If teams take that away and make him throw, is that potentially part of the issue here? Is like they're they're just sort of exposing some of the problems he has passing the ball at this point?
2: Uh, I mean, they they definitely weren't passing a ton, uh, but when they did pass, he was at least hitting his targets in stride and making good anticipation throws. Um, and now it's just like, you know, he like he said, he's missing guys by two or three meters now. Uh, but I, I think, yeah, you make a great point that he maybe could play well in spurts, uh, but just overall, maybe his body is breaking down. I mean, if you look back, at his injury history. He, you know, he has all sorts of injuries, um, just going back the last four or five years, um, which is the reason why there just weren't a ton of teams ready to sign him when he was a free agent.
1: Yeah, that was one of the th- the really fascinating things I thought about the saga leading up to him eventually getting signed by the Patriots. And of course, the reaction was, yeah, Bill Belichick, he outsmarted everybody. And you know, for as much attention as there there was about Cam's. You know personality or you know however certain people regard it and you know whether the idea that you know for some teams he was too big of a personality too big of a presence to bring in for a potential quarterback battle because it's just there's going to be so much attention on him I I think people had legit or, or you know there there had been talk about just People being people being nervous to sign him for reasons that had nothing to do with football. And I think we'd sort of forgotten about the idea of we have not seen him play a full productive season in a while. Like, we just haven't seen it.
2: Yeah, I, I think that personality stuff is overblown because it just seems like everywhere he, he's been, his teammates have loved him. Like, you know, mm-hmm. his, his Patriot teammates love him like he when he was scoring touchdowns, he was, you know, giving, letting his linemen spike the ball and celebrate and all those things. So yeah, like, I don't care how he dresses. Like, you know, you you see that Jeff Garcia rant about how he he dressed like, come on, man. Like, yeah. Like I think the personality stuff is overblown, but it's just the the injuries are, are, is what's concerning with cam. And, you know, he, especially for a quarterback that needs to use his legs and have that uh, run option be part of his game if you take that away and have to limit that um, then you know it just takes away a, a huge dynamic
0: he's just so big and you're right when he's able to be to move and so i mean he's still averaging you know five yards a carry this year and he's got five touchdowns but a lot of that was early and
1: it's very front-loaded
0: yeah it, it's there are certain guys. See, so like I, I mean, I, I like Cam <laughs> because of the the outfit and the hats and all things. And I kind of like, I kind of like the idea of him with Bill Belichick because, I, as much as as Belichick can be kind of an ass and and all of these things, and but like there there are so many things about him that I admire as a coach that. You know, the idea that, you know, once Tom Brady leaves, Bill Belichick suddenly can't coach anymore. I love the idea of, of, of him taking another reclamation project and showing he doesn't give a shit who his players are and what they do or what hats they wear, if they have an ascot or anything like that. And I, I wanted this to work. Is there a chance that it turns around? Like, I really find myself pulling for the Patriots was a weird thing. I want this to work.
2: Oh, trust me. I wanted to work too. I mean, I had Cam Newton on my. Uh, after Dak got hurt, I, <laughs> I I put I got Cam. I put Cam on my fantasy team. Yeah, I picked up. Her-
0: I picked up Herbert early, so I'm in good yeah. shape.
2: I, I picked up Herbert and Cam because I was like, all right, maybe this Herbert thing's a flash in a pan. So I'm gonna take Cam just in case. I started Cam against Denver. It was a disaster, um, and I I kept them on, on my team until just like today. I I cut kind him. Of, I was like, look, I I just don't know if the, this thing's gonna work. Anymore, I, you know, just
0: I mean, did take, like did you take like a full page ad out in the paper? Like, thank you, Cam. Like, We, you know, we appreciate just a wonderful guy. Um, you know, it's just, it's a shame it didn't work out.
2: I mean, but also the Patriots have no weapons. Like if they had oh. weapons, maybe this thing could work out because they have a really good offensive line still. Um, but I mean, they, they have no weapons. Julian Edelman just had surgery. Um, so you know, even if Cam it gets back healthy and starts playing better, it's just going to be a struggle because guys aren't getting open.
1: Has there ever been a more oppositely dressed coach quarterback combo than Bill Belichick and Cam Newton? I mean, like, like you want to talk about <laughs> two guys? You know, we're supposed to be working together. There's always supposed to be that great connection between the head coach and, and the franchise quarterback or the face, whatever you want to call it. Like those two guys could not be on the more polar opposite sides of the scale when it comes to dressing.
2: Yeah, I mean, we we had that picture of um Bel Belichick, you know, and he took it to another level this year. He had like holes on it in his yeah. sweater. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, he always like had to cut off hoodies, but this is a, this was the first time where like he had holes in his sweater. I mean, I
0: was he, like, Man. he looks like a hobo. I mean, <laughs> he's, yeah. he's, a, he's a stick with a like a a handkerchief on the end. No, he's like you know hobo. how
1: there you know how there are like super super wealthy you know either celebrities or fashionistas or hipsters or whatever that spend like thousands of dollars to look homeless. That yeah. that's like Bill Belichick. Yeah. Like I guarantee. These these sleeves that he's cutting off these hoodies. These are like five hundred dollar hoodies. He's
0: not. <laughs> he's not. I will say though, he's, he's not spending a lot on that
1: outfit. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm mean, I, I him credit here for at least being frugal. So you think these are crappy hoodies that he's cutting the sleeves off? They're whatever from the Kanye
2: West collection. It could be. You never know. The Kanye like athletic brand that's going to come out soon or whatever.
0: Speaking of which, have you uh, decided after a couple weeks of quarantine just to feel a little bit normal which island you're going to take your family to, Ted?
2: Um, No. (laughs) You know, I was so confused uh, with that because I didn't. I had no idea that Kim uh, tweeted that, and I just see everybody kind of tweeting. Well, I saw I saw one of my friends tweet it. I was like, wow. I didn't know you were making that much money. <laughs> you take your 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 friends out to a private island. Uh, but yeah, when I first started seeing that trend go around, I was I was confused. Well, she but followed no. it
0: up today with the you know, Kanye gave me the most delightful you know uh, birthday present of like a hologram of my dead father. And I mean, I don't want to tell her that it's you know if, if that makes you feel you know good and you know brings back warm Godspeed, but it's a weird thing to tweet.
1: <laughs> it was a weird this, tweet. Th- this quote was great because, you know, most people focused on the, you know, after two weeks of multiple health screens and asking everyone to quarantine, I surprised my closest inner circle with a trip to a private island where we could pretend things were normal for just a brief moment in time. And that launched all the different memes. But this quote, I realize and realize is misspelled um, that. Oh, no, actually, I take it back. Realize is not misspelled. I'm looking right now at a BBC <laughs> <to> report of <laughs> this. They may have changed. Way it, to be so a I- jerk? My apologies to Kim. Um, <laughs> I realize that for most people, this is something that is so far out of reach right now. So in moments like these, I am humbly reminded right of now. how privileged my life is. By definition, you are not humbly reminded of anything because if you were truly humbly reminded of it, you wouldn't have posted it in the first place. Yeah. like There is no way that you mm-hmm. post your trip to a private island in the middle of a pandemic humbly. That, that is impossible to do it was, it was it felt like it that tweet missed
0: the mark and <laughs> 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 being, it being uh, sort of read the room of I the feel, moment
1: They probably should have focus grouped it
2: yeah yeah um, i mean people are struggling right now but you know the rich and famous could pretend to be <laughs> i mean just pretending to be normal by going to a private, private Island, island. just shows out, out of touch. You
1: know, these people <laughs> that, are that is a, <laughs> correct. That is quite the oxymoron. I can't, I
0: can't even afford to get myself to a public Island. Yeah,
1: It's true. Like a, a low rent public Island. I can't, yeah, I can't, can't do get it. there right now. Um,
0: so uh, Ted Wynn, you, you find his stuff at the athletic. He's just a great, great football writer. And uh, we mentioned this story, which we put out on the chat. Uh, with with uh, that he did on uh, Brandon Staley with Jordan Rodrigue, you find his stuff at, on um, Twitter at fb underscore film analysis. Um, What's the FB part? Football, football film analysis. I football. Sport. Yeah. Oh, my friends
2: my friends make fun of me and they call me the Facebook guy because it, they
0: <laughs> <It> got halfway <laughs> out of my mouth before I realized no, it's probably just football. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then I had to finish the question. So uh that's where you find it. and the the other story that we mentioned, uh, which we'll tweet out as well about Justin Herbert and why he's been so effective. Dude, this was fun. we we've, we've we've communicated a little bit over email and stuff, but never mm-hmm. have had a chance to meet. So this was this is really cool. Thanks for giving us the time. We appreciate it.
2: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. And uh, are you guys are you guys going to any Rams games this year?
0: Not in mm-hmm. person. No.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Mm-mm. I think they they have a fairly strict attendance policy the amount of people that they allow into the building and mm. uh I think it's Ain't Jordan, us. and then uh Jordan gets to leave and come back and or then Rick maybe Jordan, Hammond. Rich Hammond, which Jordan can bring Rich, Lindsey Theory. Um, yeah. And then that's oh, Okay. A lot of people have to be unavailable before Andy and I get that credential. So a lot of people. And yeah, I mean
1: the year. the Rams PR department—they're fantastic. They're they're, they've been Pandemic. great to work not, with. Not exactly. Exactly. We're not taking it personally. They're terrific. Mm-hmm. Uh, tomorrow, Farley Elliott, a uh, food writer and editor at Eater LA. We're going to talk a bunch of food with him, and also some baseball. He's he's a big uh, Dodger guy, so we're going to. Uh, Relive everything that happened over the past week when the Dodgers won the World Series. So that should be a lot of fun. Get your food questions ready. Um, we, when we've had uh, different food guys on before, y'all have seemed to enjoyed it. So we're doing that again.
0: Yeah, Monday, Bruce Feldman, no show on Tuesday because the election, and I, I just can't handle that. And uh, so, and then Wednesday, uh, back to basketball with Anthony Slater. So uh, we'll see everyone tomorrow night. Thanks again to Ted Wynn. Uh, have a good night, Donkey Niederland.
2: See you guys later.